All right, we could win out and we could win every game by three scores and the win big will be just fine and this little two-game skid will be a blip on the season. You get nothing for being the most physical team last week. And I'm sure Bobby would say the same thing. It was all about, you know, settling between the white lines. Like I told our guys, you want to win this thing, you got to control the four corners between the white lines. And after that, you can control the four corners of this state. Welcome, everybody, to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Brian from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Holy cow. Complete and utter domination, period. Thorny, how are you doing? Woo! <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> I feel exactly like Ric Flair looks pretty sure. <laughs> That's a great image right there. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right, man. Yeah. I don't know. Feels- I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so, just so excited. I've been riding this high for however long now. I don't want to do math right now, but uh, yeah, a couple days. Been amazing. Jeff Choate told us to put this to bed, or at least he told that for his team. Not for us. Not for us. This party's not stopping till <laughs> at least well into next week. Oh, man. Maybe when we record the next episode for the playoff preview, maybe I'll start not thinking about Cat Grizz every waking second of the day. Ah, uh, It just feels like it's almost like uh, you get to just enjoy it now. I mean, it was so fun. And now you get to just read every article that comes out, listen to every podcast that talks about it, and just revel in it and just soak it all in. It's so much fun right now. It was fun. It was a lot of fun uh, watching with you. I don't know if everyone knows, but I decided the last kind of last second to fly out and watch the game with Ryan and his family, and it was a lot of fun. And I believe that is now a tradition that needs to be followed because clearly we won, and that's probably because of me. I don't know, probably because of us. Yeah, we had something to do with it. We tweeted out a picture of us. A very small piece of it is attributed to our getting together to watch the game. <laughs> it's science. All right. Well, this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, the energy is high. We're going to start off with what we're drinking tonight. We'll go into some some brief news on where the Cats ended up this year, uh, some new coaching changes. Yeah, in the big sky. To, yeah, in the big sky. We're going to obviously recap the awesome victory that was Cat Grizz, and then we'll move into our buyer cell, our golden koozie, and we'll get you out of here. Sounds great. I am overflowing with Vim right now. Just warning everybody. Just bubbling over. Well, we're going to have to talk playoff seating too. Okay. Well, let's do that too. That's exciting. All right. All right, Thorny. What do you have on tap tonight? All right. Well, you know my strategy now. It's been working nonstop about me picking beers that I speak to me from uh, how I feel about the Bobcats, how I want the Bobcats to perform, whatever. So I'm drinking uh, an IPA I dislike heavily by Ninkasi Brewing Company, Total Domination IPA. Pretty sure the name <laughs> speaks for itself. Do not need to explain why I purchased this beer. <laughs> I I've do not like it. This. It's very bitter. I don't like it. 
<laughs> so you don't like the taste of victory is what you're telling me? If victory tasted like someone like steeped kale in a beer for like two weeks, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They, they used kale instead of hops, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that would be horrible. <laughs> That'd be just horrible. But, you know, it's beer. Yeah, After a couple beers, most beers start tasting a lot better. Do you have anything like a backup today? I don't. So if I have to leave in the middle of the episode, you know, that's why. To go get gotcha. a re- refuel. I'm drinking a moose drool out of the can in my r cat cat koozie. Now, are you doing that as a, some sort of jab or... Are you finally free to drink Moostrol Jinx free? <laughs> the latter. It was the only beer I had <laughs> in my refrigerator. <laughs> but uh, I do I do love Moostrol. But yes, you and I, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, my wife was about to crack a Moostrol during the game, and both you and I looked at her incredulously and said, what are you doing? Put that back. You can't drink a Missoula beer during the Cagres game. And she's like, oh, I, I didn't know I couldn't do that. And then we made her put it back. It was pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Let's move into some news. Uh, the last FCS poll came out on Sunday, just prior to the selections show. And the Cats moved up to number five in the nation, their highest ranking all year long. That feels pretty good. It was interesting to me, the top, the top three, oh, I said that wrong. I got to say that again because it's not true. It's interesting to me that just above us was Weber State and third was Sac State. Montana went all the way down to number seven after being number three. That's a pretty good showing for the big sky. Nope. You got four of the top six seeds because the Grizzlies got number six. We got number five. Weber got number four and Sac number three, right? Well, now you're talking playoffs. I was talking just the FCS. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, rank. Yeah, that's also a solid solid thing for the rankings, but there you go. There's the seating. <laughs> yeah. Let me just blurt that out. Uh, that's pretty exciting. It's really good for the Big Sky Conference as a whole. And there's, I don't know if any other conferences ever have four teams seated before. I don't. I think people were asking the question. I'm not sure anyone was able to track down an answer on that. Did you hear anything about that? Nope, I didn't. I mean, it's pretty amazing to have I mean, yeah, there's 13-team conference, but four out of the 13 teams are the top six teams in the country seed-wise. It's pretty impressive. Do you want to talk seeding real quick? No, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But just the, just the news here that we are the fifth seed. For sure. Some news in coaching changes came out for the Big Sky this week. Ernest Collins for Northern Colorado was released. And Tim Walsh, after 29 years at Cal Poly, is cho- is choosing to retire. Is he, though? Is he? Oh, I would assume so. He's pretty old. Well, I understand that, but I, I think it may have been a situation like, uh, hey, buddy, retire, or we're going to be forced to fire you. <laughs> I mean, yes, he's very close to retirement age anyway. That's speculation. They were, they haven't had a good season here a few, few years. They're really kind of on a tailspin, so I think it's just the best for the Cal Poly program. And... Tim Walsh, good guy by all accounts. Don't wish him any will, but ill will. But I'm really hoping that the next coach comes in and does something besides a triple option. But probably not. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to picture Cal Poly not running the triple option. But that is a very real 
a possibility right now. Well, the guy before Walsh ran it too. They've been running it for a while. Corey Nichols said he was, I think he was running, they were running it when he was there or being recruited them by them. So it's been a while. It's been, it's been 15 years at least of that triple option. Yeah, they could go away. I wouldn't be too sad about that. No. All right. Well, how did you vote in the final Big Sky Podcast Network Power Ranking, or did you vote? <laughs> Shocker, I did not vote. I was too excited about the cat grays. I didn't even think about it. it didn't even dawn on me. <laughs> I got but it in the last second. I would have put uh I would have put Montana State number one in this week. I, I honestly could have said Montana State would be number one, Sac State number two, uh Weber three, uh Grizz four. Yeah, you got to put Eastern uh, five. That's exactly my top five, except I actually put Sack in front of the Bobcats. Really? Yeah, it was a tough call. It was a really tough call. I just feel like they still have the better body work and they're still winning games, so it'd be hard to jump them even after a dominating performance, but in a rivalry game at home, it's a tough call. It doesn't really matter in the end, but I just, that's what I went with. Probably yeah, take some well, flack for that. I also try not to get too excited about a win like this, too. Like, we always, we always talk about things that aren't as good or as bad as they seem. So I'm just like, oh, easy, Ryan. <laughs> We're not the number one team in the country. Thorny, man. Just enjoy it while it's here, okay? <laughs> well, you didn't vote, so you didn't have to put any thought into these kinds of things. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it made me think a little bit beyond coming down from my high. Like, all right, be reasonable for a couple minutes. <laughs> Well, now think I'm about back this. I was like, what the hell am I doing? Bobcats are number one. <laughs> well, think about this, Ryan. The Montana State Bobcats right now probably are the hottest team in the big sky. So hot right now. Hansel. So hot. And I don't think Sack is. We watched we watched a lot of that, uh, the Causeway Classic against UC Davis. Sack looked good. UC Davis looked pretty good. It, it could have gone either way. Sack does have the body of work. They had a, an amazing October. Well, you know what? That was October. November just happened. And guess what? The Montana State Bobcats are on a, just on a tear right now. We are, in my opinion, the hottest team in the Big Sky, and that's why we deserve the number one ranking in the power poll right now. You might be right on that. We are absolutely on fire right now and have just been cruising. And even, you know, if you go back to the North Dakota game, the defense has been just lights out too. So, yeah, we might be the best team. I definitely like our chances if we end up with the rematch against Sac State. So anyway, kind of deviating off here from the power rankings, but yes, Bobcats probably should be number one. Probably made a mistake. <laughs> it's, it's all good. So I, all day I was waiting for Jeff Choate to get to his press conference and uh, he delivered, man. Yeah. It was such a fun one to watch. And he's just like, Jeff Choate's like Mr. November. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But he's just like this cool, calm, collected guy right now, just up there, just you know, he had he's in a way some sort of a you know, some people view him as like a prophet, right? He's been, you know, prophesying his message and he told us all year long, and I say this all the time. He said we're gonna be playing our best ball in November. And he's just sitting up there and he he is, we are, and and it just feels like Jeff Cho just has this thing going in the right direction and i'm just very impressed with his uh i'm just uh, with everything it's hard to articulate right now for me what i'm impressed with it's just it feels like in, it encompasses everything in the football 
at, for MSU right now. Was there anything he said that stuck out to you that you liked? Uh, the one quote that uh, I can remember is, uh, and I don't remember the context of it, was don't put a bobcat in a corner. And I guess the context would be, you know, hey, November happened. We had to go 4-0 to be in this place. And for some reason, the Cats just play better when they're in the corner. I wish I wish that wasn't the case. I wish they would just bring that same energy game in and game out. And I think that is a, continues to be a work upon for the staff and for Jeff Chote personally. But he's right. You know, we... <laughs> I can't believe it. We went 4-0 in the month of November. I cannot believe that. Ah, man, I can. I can with the, the first three, right? Well, Davis turned out to maybe not be quite what they were thinking. In the beginning of the season, I was almost just penciling it up as a loss, right? Like, I thought Davis was like a top three team in the country. And they were for a few first few weeks before they fell off, uh, just took a nosedive off, really, and with a losing record. So... But just the way, just beating the Grizz was probably the biggest question mark as November approached. And maybe after the North Dakota game, I don't know what we were going to do. Go back to listen to that episode. I would love to, I love, I'm proud to say right now, definitely eat a little crow from that episode. Uh, I was definitely just wasn't sure what we could do, if we could get it done. So I will take some heat on that one. And uh, I was wrong. We absolutely proved me wrong. And we just flew through November like hot knife through butter. It was Mr. certainly November. impressive. Yeah, it, and we got better every week. Our offense continued to be dynamic. Our defense, I can't remember a stretch where our defense has played this well in in quite some time. I mean, just completely and utterly dominant. Almost all uh, PK's defenses when you had Ione, Roger Cooper, you name it, Joey Thomas. It's just, gosh, we are just rolling. just. It's so cool. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about it all, but it's just November's. It's been a ride. (laughs) Just capped by one of the best games I've ever seen. Well, that is the perfect segue to get into the 119th Brawl of the Wildcat Grizz. I'm not even going to say the other way because I won't sully the beautiful day that was Saturday in a 48 to 14 drubbing of the Missoula Grizzlies. What did you think of that game? Just tell me anything. Just start talking. Let's just start talking about the, about the funnest game I've seen as, as a Bobcat fan since 2002. Oh man. I just can't keep this smile off my face. I just <laughs> love, we just whipped them for, from, from the start to the finish. We just whipped them. And that just makes me probably the most proud as a Bobcat. I, we couldn't be there. You and I were watching it together. The crowd, was straight in a frenzy the whole game. And every bounce went the Bobcats' way, and they deserved most of them. And there was a couple of them, like that very first uh, quarter, or very first series when we, well, I think there was like three fumbles within the first two minutes. Uh, they all went their way. It was it was just remarkable. But holy cow. I, I guess you and I should have guessed what kind of game I was going to be. Right from the get-go when Quay put that hit on Samara Tori and then Derek Marks covered the football. Oh, man, it's just, it's almost just like, it was just, the writing was on the wall. How <laughs> funny is it that the 
this game started off almost exactly the way the last game ended. Basically, the last two Grizzly offensive plays between last year and this plays this year both ended with Derek Marks recovering a fumble. Yeah, it's remarkable. Isn't that crazy? Nice. Yeah. It's re- remarkable. Derek Marks. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty impressive. Like that's just crazy. Like that just set the tone. That's what it was, but that was exactly how you start a game, and it just never, the Grizz just never recovered, period. I've been waiting my whole life to see a game like that. My whole life. I, I, can't, I can't put it in any more words than that. It's just, I mean, I'm at a loss for words. Ryan, we just kicked the little, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> we. It, we just just utterly dominated the Grizzlies for four quarters, and I've never seen anything like it. And it felt so damn good. It felt so good. And I can't believe the thing that stood out to me before you, we get into any stats is just how physical domination, physical dominating we were. We just out. I mean, if you go back a week week before, and you watch the Grizz put just a licking on Weber State. And Weber State has been the watermark and physicality in the big sky. You're like, holy cow, that team is surging right now. The Grizz are tough. I mean, oh, Brooks Nuan has called some of their stuff just borderline criminal. And you're like, they're coming to Bobcat Stadium. That was the narrative of all last week. So, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I did actually didn't watch any of the Weber State Montana game because I don't have root. So all I had to rely on was maybe some highlight videos, which aren't going to demonstrate that kind of, you're not going to see the physicality unfold throughout a game, just watching some highlights here and there. So all I got to do is listen to Grizz fans, listen to the media, listen to everyone talk about how insanely physical the Grizz were. And they just punched the, the, the Weber state and just pretty much laid on top of them the whole game. And how that was coming to Bozeman stadium and we better be ready for it. And, this might be the most underwhelming opponent with the hype behind it I've ever seen come to Bobcat Stadium. And that's going to make anybody Grizz fan listening to this pretty upset, I'm sure. But there was so much hype for this Grizz team. National media, local media, Grizz fans everywhere about just this juggernaut offense, this physical defense, unstoppable. And they just came in and just got pounded. And I'm sure watching this game as like these guys, this is the most physical team that's in the Big Sky Conference. (laughs) Not a single thing that they did the entire day had any indication of it to me. And I, I I know I'm I'm sounding probably like just a cat fan just gloating here, but there was just so much hype, and this they just this is probably like all the the Grizz probably pretty familiar with this when they're they hear all this talk about this Southland team, this and that when they're in the playoffs hosting a first round, second round game, and a a big Southland team comes up from down in Louisiana or whatever, comes up to Grizz Stadium and just gets pummeled. Well, that's kind of what it felt like. I felt like this team didn't know what they were getting into. They came into Bozeman not having any clue what was in store for them, just riding high and just got put in their place immediately. It was just it, un- unbelievable. Just I couldn't even, in my wildest dreams, thought that this game would end like this, and I don't think pretty much anyone else, I don't even think the most rabid cat fan we could find would have said that we would win this game by 34 points. No. 
from the head coach to the team, it didn't feel like the Grizzlies respected the Bobcats. And we just put them in their place. Somebody on the board made a pretty good point I hadn't considered. This would be Bobby Houck's first trip to Bozeman since the stadium expanded. So, I mean, he might not have, you know, he's pretty familiar with the way it used to be, but he, he, he hasn't been there since we added the whole, we bowled in the end zone and added, however, we, I mean, we probably had 6,000 more people than we used to when last time he was here. It's a pretty big difference. And it, yeah, he just, I just don't think any of the Grizz players or coaches just knew what they're getting into. And I don't know if that was because they're so <laughs> cocky from the Weber State game. It's just, they just didn't look prepared from a just ready to play football standpoint. How much do you love to see in the Grizzly faces when we're just dominating them? <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are I you just sad, like, like yeah. sad Grizzly faces, like Grizz yeah. players? Well, the players, the coaches, the fans, it's just, it's just lovely. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, uh, the board said the people who were there said this was the loudest this stadium has ever been. When you watched it like on start route, to finish. Yeah. When you watched on route Bobcat nation, you were well represented. It looked fantastic. And I, I want to give props to route too. They did an awesome production, but man, we showed well, it was just beautiful. Well, I guess the Grizz can take solace in the fact that college game day decided not to come to Bozeman. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Holy smokes. I guess they wouldn't have broadcast the game, but uh, people would have known that the the little pregame festivities did not end well for one team. But uh, yeah, just, yeah, Root did a great job. I was really impressed with the Root, and I was really impressed at the end how they just kind of let the celebrations all kind of speak for themselves. They didn't try and overanalyze or start immediately start talking. They just kind of let, let it play out for us not able to see it, just wishing we were there, just taking it all in. It was awesome. Thorny, let's get into a little bit of some game breakdown. Okay, so give us the stats and let's go through some stuff. All right. Well, the Grizz, I believe, were one of the top 10 teams in the country and like just total first downs per game. They had 12. We held them to 12 first downs. The Bobcats had 27. Uh, the, the Grizz did hit above their third down season mark at I think they're at like 40 some percent they hit at 50 percent right at seven for 14 Bob got six of 13 so for us you know pretty good that's above our average as well oh yeah total yards 488 for the Bobcats 241 for the Grizzlies 488 that's a pretty good day in the office but <laughs> that's the part that's not going to be amazing as we go down this list here 241 yards for the Grizzlies if you would have told me that we would have held Dalton Sneed to 241 yards. I was like, all right, we maybe we won that game. And then you're sitting looking at that's your total yards. Dalton <laughs> Sneed didn't even throw for 200 yards. He threw for 195 yards <laughs> on 34 attempts, just 5.7 yards per pass. Man, we dominated him. It was so fun. We sacked him six times. Six times. Woo. So he had 5.7 yards per pass. We ran for 6.2 yards per carry. So we, we had a better average run of the ball than he did throwing the ball. I'm not sure there's been too many football games in history where that's been just lopsided like that. The Grizzlies managed 1.9 yards per carry, ended up with 46 total yards on 24 carries. Uh, Marcus Knight did get 
two touchdowns, so he continues his touchdown dominance. He ended up with 77 yards, so he actually had a semi-respectable. How did he get 77? Oh, yeah, the sacks. It's a long of 30. It's the sacks. I'm like, how is how does he have 77 yards and the total rushing yards are 46? But that's because we sacked all in the for like negative whatever that would be. I don't ESPN doesn't break it down for me like that, but I'm guessing Snead had quite a bit of sack yards lost for that net rushing total. Dalton Snead did throw an interception. Should have thrown a second one. Missed Damian Washington. Two weeks in a row, man. <laughs> Come on, Damian. Come on. You've been such a steady Eddie for this program, and I love you. But you, you this the stone hands thing is is. <laughs> But it's it's since we win, it doesn't matter. That's a pass breakup. That's that's a plus in any play in the history. A pass <laughs> breakup. So there you go. It's a pass. We'll say Damian Washington had a very nice pass breakup. Uh, penalized. The Grizz were penalized seven times. We were just penalized just three times. The rest really kind of let the game play out. I don't think there was too many. I mean, there's a few things. I if I had to analyze that, I would say the Cats probably got some of the breaks on that, but nothing that would blow a game wide open like that. So that was absolutely nothing to do with the final outcome being this lopsided. The Grizz somehow lost a fumble, and somehow we we fumbled the ball. I think the official stats say we fumbled it three times. I think you and I counted to five. I don't think they counted where, like, Rovig got spun out of bounds and the ball flew out of bounds, or same thing happened to Logan Jones earlier, too. I think we, I'm pretty sure we fumbled the ball five times <laughs> by my count. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And somehow recovered either every single one of them or they went out of bounds. The time of possession was 37 minutes to, and 8 seconds to 22 minutes and 52 seconds for the Bobcats. Tucker Rovick finished with 102 yards passing all in the first half. He only attempted two passes in the second half. Did not complete either one of them. Afonze, Isaiah Afonze, 21 carries, 171 yards, three touchdowns. Stud, Ooh. what a day. Damn. And the senior Kevin Cassis leads the team with just two catches and 48 yards. But as we found out, in particular when we play the Grizz, you don't need to throw the ball to beat these guys. At least we don't. <laughs> Whatever it is, you can, I bet you could compile all of the passing stats from all the four games, and that's probably like a good day for Dalton Sneed. <laughs> I think I had compiled it. It was like uh, it was like twenty completions on like 40, 40 attempts or something like that for like two hundred eighty yards, zero touchdowns, and zero interceptions before this game. So now you're at like 27 completions for like maybe 50 attempts for <laughs> like maybe maybe you're pushing three like 400 yards and you still don't have any touchdowns or interceptions. And that's that's their four games. <laughs> we almost had a passing touchdown if Tucker Rovig wasn't so juiced. He would have hit Travis Johnson on that slant. He was wide open. <laughs> that's true. Yep, that was a, a missed opportunity there. Oh, uh. And how can I forget, I glossed over this stat, a Bobcat Cat Grizz record 382 rushing yards. The highest by the Bobcat team in this rivalry in history. That's a game right <sighs> there, man. We, we could run at will any way we wanted to, on the edges, up the middle. And, and what's really interesting to me is... Our plus one run game when we have Travis Johnson back there and without Troy Anderson this in this game, that was pretty much the only negative yards we gained on rushing all all game. You could tell the Grizz had practice for that. Bobby Howe talked about it in the post game. They were keyed up on to stop that wildcat run game, and they did. 
two times we tried it with Travis Johnson, but they didn't stop anything else outside of that. What I find pretty funny about this situation is about Houck saying how much they plan for Troy Anderson at quarterback. Like, this is what, like, Bobby Houck was notorious for his first stint. Was, like, mind games, trickery with who's injured. Like, people were joking about this all year long, even about Don Sneed being hurt, and, like, it's just some sort of big Bobby Houck thing. And then Houck gets beaten at his own game, basically, by Bobcats keeping it a secret that Troy Anderson will not play whatsoever. And apparently he spent a significant amount of practice time trying to stop uh, Troy Anderson, who probably would have gotten like seven carries anyway. So not sure why he would have spent so much time on that. Good job. You stopped Chef Johnson like four times for like negative one yard, but <laughs> did not matter at all. So I just thought that was kind of a funny little element to it. Um, just the mind games, there, the gamesmanship. Bobby how kind of was just beside himself in the in the post game. I don't want to give this guy too much airtime, but I, he was making excuses all over the all over the board and just was inconsistent and still I mean still just classic Bobby Halk right there. He did give us quite a bit of credit, so I won't even though he still like didn't really name anything by name, but he it's not as bad as press conference as people want to say, but certainly don't my, he looked uncomfortable and squirmy, which always gives me pleasure just watching him just like look uncomfortable there, just like that squinty sour puss face, that whiskey sour face. Going you're back nicer to than I am. You're, you're so much nicer to him than I am. <laughs> well, we also are on air, so to speak. <laughs> you know, I'm not as nice off the air. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm going to give some props to Tucker Rovig. Uh, he's one of the players that stood out to me uh, this game. The kid is just getting so much more confident, and I really just appreciate his play. He does he does whatever we need him to do. We didn't need him to pass. He only had 13 attempts in passing. Uh, at 7 over 13, that's over his average. 102 yards. He's managing the game well. He didn't have any egregious mistakes. Uh, and uh, I I just really like where he's going, especially the playoffs coming. He's just hitting his stride. He just looked comfortable and in command, which is what I, I don't know what episode it was where you asked me what I want to see out of Rovig, and I just said, like, be more confident. Just And he's looking like that. He's looking more comfortable and more confident. He's just taking control. Uh, Jeff Choate mentioned in the press conference that he thinks uh, Rovig is turning into kind of that leader that guys look at. So I think he's maybe even taken a step in the leadership department, kind of a thing that Jeff Choate really keys in on. I just like where it's going, and it's it's a good sign, and I only think he's going to get better. We actually needed him to be this version of him this time of the year, and he delivered in the exact way we needed to. And But luckily, we didn't need to do a whole lot more because just the Bobcat ground game just did absolutely whatever it wanted. But I have faith that if we had to throw the ball 10 or 15 more times, it would have worked out for us. I totally agree with that. And the fact that he took all the snaps except for a couple with Troy being out, I think that probably gave him a better sense of the game. You know, he wasn't disjointed in any other way. No, we ran the Wildcat a couple times, and then uh, the Afonze one that we ran four or five times, those would be a direct snap. So, I mean, basically that's Wildcat, right? There's just absolutely zero threat of running the ball, so that's just direct snap, but same kind of concept. 
and Fonse's not going to hand it off. But that was a, that was a fun little wrinkle. Like so, it was a Fonse, Rovig, and another back line 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 up in a row, and then they just shift. So they sh- like Rovig's under center, and he shifts over, and then Fonse's right there, and just takes a direct snap like a second later. I thought that was a pretty cool play, and it worked every time. <laughs> I love watching Mitch Brat and Lewis Kid just plow the road. <laughs> They're just graders out there. It's so cool to see. One of my favorite Afonso runs was capped at the very end when it was the last touchdown when uh, Mitch Brat was 10, 10 yards down the field, and he just pancakes uh, Dante Olsen <laughs> just finishing the play. It was just the exclamation point for the whole day. It was really cool. I do want to give a lot of respect and credit to Dante Olsen. I thought he came to play. I thought he was about only one of two players on the Grizzly defense I really thought came to play him and Jace Lewis, but I have a lot of respect for him. He was bloodied. He was beaten, but he was still making some plays, blowing up the line, making some tackles behind the line of scrimmage. So I thought he played good, and I just got nothing but respect for that guy because he just seems like a good dude and a hell of a football player. And, but certainly as a, a, a opponent, a fan of the, his arch rival, I don't mind. I did like seeing him get trucked, and and uh, I certainly like seeing Bobby Houck get put to the ground a couple times. I'm sorry, Robbie Houck get put to the ground a couple times, but <laughs> I, I just feel like this entire game is this kind of a, a release of frustrations that you can, for every single thing you can think of being a, a Bobcat fan for like the last 20 years or 30 years, like all the way back before the streak. Like, yes, we've won some games here and there, but we've never, you and I talked about this, how we never really dominated a game or if we've won, it's always been a little asterisk. Like, well, we won, and the Grizz didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, they would have been a playoff team if they beat us, but that means they were a bubble team in the first place. We just destroyed them as the number three team in the country. This is like a complete flip-flop of 2011, which I can I can talk about again since this is like basically bumped that out of my head or at least made a, an even in the ledger. <laughs> but it just seems like just all the, the crap you take from Grizz fans or the the players that you don't like or the Bobby Houck that is just such an unlikable character. He's a good coach. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and rip Bobby Houck for coaching, but he is not fun to listen to. He's a terrible interview. He's just not a good face of the program. So all these things, it's just like a big revenge tour. And there's just so much gratification from it that even like everything all the way down to like Bobby or Robbie Houck, like getting juked and falling like out of bounds on a play it's just like yes (laughs) well it seems like our whole life ryan we've always felt this i want to call it like little brother inferiority but it's always been like oh man we beat the grizz like not like we were expected to beat the grizz and right now it just feels different like this narrative around the cat grizz just feels different now it feels like it's ours yeah, exactly. Like, like we have the upper hand. I, I would say that maybe last year we were like, okay, because we had won three in a row. But with just that beatdown that we just saw, and with it was just we, I don't know. It was just so unequivocally dominating. <laughs> well, was that, it Derek Marks last year that we talked about? He said like this is now the standard. Yeah, beating and, the Grizz. Well, mm-hmm. if 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 you we talked about that and we thought that was such a great quote, but. Did you really like deep down believe that that's like, oh, we're just going to beat the Grizz every year? It felt really good at the time. But then as this 
year approached and the Grizz were, were surging and they were hot too. They were arguably the hottest team before they came to Bozeman. I don't know if I just felt that, but now I absolutely do. Like, yeah, beating the Grizz is a standard. And I don't, obviously, we're not going to beat them every single year, but there's no more of the going into this game hoping for a win. There's going into this game expecting to win. I think that's perfectly said. Uh, one more thing I do want to say about Bobby Houck. We didn't get to it and we were kind of going through a little Bobby Houck spiel there. I went back and did some research. This is his largest margin of defeat as a Grizzly head coach, period. No matter who they played, FBS, first time around, doesn't matter. I take, no, I'm sorry. It's tied for the largest. He lost to the number 16 Iowa Hawkeyes in 2006, 41 to 7. So in all the games that he lost, this is the largest margin, tied for the largest margin defeat, period. Cat Grizz, anything. <laughs> just thought some cat fans would enjoy that little nugget of research yeah, awesome. that I was actually able to do on my own instead of just pilfering other people's research. <laughs> you did well, some research about uh, Jeff yeah. Choate's November numbers, right? Yeah, let's talk a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm going to call Choate. He like Reggie Jackson was Mr. October for the Yankees. Jeff Choate's Mr. November. <laughs> Tell us Cleaning why that one. Cleaning that one right here. I like. All it. right. So I went back and I compiled all the November games for Jeff Chope since he has been the coach. Well, just to put it to put it out there, he is eleven and three all time in the month of November as MSU's head coach with a point differential of four hundred and sixty-three to two hundred and eighty-four. <laughs> That's ridiculous. What's even what's even more impressive? In the last two seasons, Jeff Choate is undefeated in the month of November. We've outscored opponents 162 to 52 just this year in the month of November. Last year, we outscored opponents 148 to 88 in the month of November. In the month of November in 2017, we outscored opponents 81-76. So you're getting a little even there. And then pretty much the same in 2016 when uh, he was at 72 points and 68 points for the opponents. The last two years, we've just kicked it into gear. It's just big man month. We talked about it <laughs> all month long. It is proven to be true. It's just remarkable. You know, and not only that, Ryan, look at the second half of this game. I told you last week, we're going to have to weather the storm. And I told you when you were over at my house on Saturday, the third quarter is going to be key. And that and that's when you saw me get the most nervous. <laughs> and I, had, I was like, okay, if we can just get through the third quarter, we're going to be fine because if you looked at the Grizzlies, they had a little bit of momentum going into the half. They had that 14 points on a couple big plays. Uh, and then they know, juked our entire offensive line off sides on our field goal attempt, which I thought was kind of a crappy play. Yeah, but we held them to zero points in the second half. The Grizzlies, who have been just a dominating team in the second half. Goose egg. Nada. I think they had read this somewhere. They had like the highest like point differential, like you said, in the second half of like any team in the country or something like that. Somebody did the research on that, and I don't know who to quote or uh, credit there, but regardless, they were a huge, hugely uh, power in the second half, just completely blowing away teams, blowing the wheels off in the second half because they just get going, and we didn't even let them score a single point. Impressive. <laughs> we took their souls the second half. I have to give so much credit to Kane Ione this year. There's been oh gosh, that was another yeah. that, that was another thing that uh, 
kind of on the victory lap, if you will, that so many, I heard a lot too, that Ty Gregorak was the only reason the Bobcats beat the Grizzlies at all. Well, here we are, a first-time offensive coordinator on his own anyway, um, if you don't count the defensive co-defensive. Yeah, well, sorry. Yeah, defensive coordinator. And he's just been, his defense is just playing lockdown here to close out the season. And we held, I think, the Grizzlies to the lowest point total all year, right? They, I think they scored at least 17 against Sack. So you got to give credit to Kane I own here when where credit is due. Like I thought the tackling was kind of porous in the beginning of the year, and it's just completely, completely done a 180. We we're gang tackling. We saw Ty Okada just lay out Jerry Lou McGee. Another just moment that's going to stand in my mind from that. Just perfect form tackle. It's just been good tackling, good solid play calling. It we've just played lights out, and I think he has to get a ton of credit for that. Oh, our front. Our front seven dominated. I I can't believe we sacked Alton Sneed six times. It's just remarkable. It's, I mean, like you said on Saturday, you know, Dalton Sneed has that injury. Maybe a year ago he gets out of some of those. I don't know, Ryan. Like going back from watching the the recap, we were swarming him. It was just we just dominated them, and that you know both sides of the the lines for. The Cats just dominated the game. And that was the narrative coming into the Grizzlies' defensive line. The Grizzlies' offensive line much improved. They didn't. Nothing. I mean, we just completely whooped their butts. So good to see. Yeah, this is like a litmus test for the Grizz. Like uh, their offensive line, their defensive line from last year, which were both pretty poor. They come in this year thinking they're improved on both sides of the ball. And the two probably most elite two of the three most elite defenses that they faced all year just pummeled them. If you're not in Washington Grizzly Stadium, they're going to have a hard time winning games if they're going to play like that, if they're going to be that like shallow on the defensive line and not really, not really make any adjustments. I have no idea why the Grizz didn't make any adjustments to what we were doing on defense, but God bless them. <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking they would probably like bring down, you know, another safety or something, crowd the box, you know, put eight guys on the line or seven, they never did. <laughs> we would just gash them on the outside. But you know what? If they started doing that, guess what we're going to do? We're going to go over the top on them. <laughs> so I I think we're going to have our way no matter what that day. It was just, it was a perfect day. It was a perfect day. It felt exactly like what Sac State did to us, where we were just kind of one step ahead the whole time. It honestly felt like on offense too, it felt like it was 11 versus 10. It just seemed like the Grizz were just short a defender the whole time. There's like you're expecting there to be somebody there in the box or in that in that gap. There just wasn't half the time. It's like where where are the Grizzly defenders? <laughs> it was <laughs> it is just a sight to behold. And there was I remember there's a couple couple plays where one in particular where there was the center, the left guard, and the right guard for the Bobcats who were like I think it was maybe Logan Jones was following them. They went like <laughs> six yards down the field. They were like looking for someone to block. Like Jones is just like kind of slowly falling behind. And, and of course someone kind of sneaks in behind him and tackles him after like seven yards untouched. But it's like, they just like went down the field. Like where, where are the Grizzly defenders? It was, it was a very odd game in a lot of ways. Just a very dominating game. All right, Thorny, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the major thing you're going to take away from this game? Pretty much my number one key to victory last week. I believe, I don't know if I put them in order, but physicality, so I just I was just gonna have to put that we just flexed our muscles basically 
and we put it together for four quarters. We kept that intensity for four quarters, the focus and just the physicality. I'm going to take away the fact that for once in my You're talking from like a fan, like an enjoyment or just like, what can I take away from the, for the team? Uh, just kind of as a fan, <laughs> I was going to take away that just the, just the fact that we just beat the crap out of the Grizzlies and I'll never just forget the, just the epic beat down, the beat down in Bozeman. That's all there is to take away. In my opinion, is just that we just dominated from start to finish and there as an objective fan. If you're watching this game, not being a cat fan or a Grizz fan, you're watching that game and you're just thinking like this getting the crap kicked out of them as a cat fan. You're sitting there like, when are they going to come back? <laughs> like we've seen Dalton Sneed come back. Are they going to make a comeback? But yeah, if you're watching that game without that fear in your head, you're just, you, you're thinking this is a, just a complete dismantling, and it truly was. And that's all I'm going to take away from it. Yeah, I, I think I'm the same. It's just for the first time I can remember in a while that we just dominated, and there was no question about it. And that just feels good because I've seen the Grizzlies just dominate us a couple times. I've seen a lot of close games on both sides. You know, both teams winning close games. Uh, I, like I said, I've seen the Grizzlies win big. I've never seen the Bobcats win big like that. And it was finally that, that, that came to, that came to happen. And it was just really good to see. And it just feels really good right now. And I don't think there's any sort of asterisks on it. Like in a game, not typically in this kind of blowout score fashion, but in a game, you can point to things where things just went terribly wrong. That they, It's so easy as a fan of a team that lost to say we beat ourselves. I don't see how any Grizzly fan can sit there thinking like they beat themselves right now. The Grizz were not in this game at any one point. They had maybe a big drop uh, that went just off the fingertips of what probably would have been a touchdown, but the game was still getting away from at that point, and maybe that stems a tide. Maybe it turns things around, but that's probably one of the only things I can point to where they made a mistake that cost them. Otherwise, it was just the, just the Bobcats just making play after play and dominating the game. So I don't I just I don't think you can even have that uh the Grizz came in and laid an egg. They just got beat by a better team. Absolutely. There was no luck. Maybe a couple of bounces went our way for fumbles, but I mean that's just the way the balance ball that's not any that's not any team one team doing a thing better than the other. It's just how it happens. There's like no shooting themselves in the foot, no making mistakes. They forced a pass to to Braden Conkle because they were down so big that he had to. <laughs> <laughs> There's only two players on the Grizzlies team that I saw that did not give up, and that would be Dalton Sneed and Dante Olson. But every other player, we took their soul. <laughs> yep, and a lot of them pretty quickly in the game. Yeah. All right, Thorny, man. I don't, I don't know much more what to say about that game. So I... If you're ready to go, I'm ready to move on. I do want to ask you, where did you, what did we've talked a little bit about this and we kind of seem to land in different spots, even amongst ourselves. Like you land one way and the next week you land the other way. How, what do you feel about Jeff Choate's strategy now of just playing lots of guys earlier in the year, getting lots of guys in, rotating so much, subbing out probably more than an average team would? Do you think that played a factor in today's game? Well, I think it absolutely Saturday's game. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it absolutely did. And just look on the other side of the ball. The Grizzlies did not sub out at all. Rarely did I see a Grizz sub out. 
conversely, the Bobcats were subbing quite a bit. I mean, I mean we had like Ty Okada really make his first like significant time of the year. Yeah, and just when when you have a big game and you you have a lot of players who played some snaps, they're not they're not scared by it. It's it's a good strategy. You know, yeah, yes, you and I have kind of waffled on that back and forth this year. And I I like it now. <laughs> I might have not liked it earlier in the season, but I like it now. I think that could be part of the reason that we do so well in November and maybe struggle in the middle of the season because there's there's probably bound to be some chemistry issues as you sub players in and figure out the right personnel groups. You're kind of feeling out the first part of the season. And by the time November rolls around, you've kind of got solidified. The team's kind of clicking, and that's when you can really get on a roll. And everyone is a little bit fresher. And then you have guys, when they need to step up, who have already had minutes early in the year. So it's it's an interesting strategy, and I'm starting to become a believer because clearly it's, as Jeff Chope pretty much said when he was hired, the timeline's gone almost exactly how he said it was. This is the win-big season, and here we are, the fifth seed, the tournament setting ourselves up for a deep playoff run. I'm a believer. You and me both. And we did all this without Troy Anderson. Be remiss with if we didn't say that. <laughs> I don't need he's to go. In, in, we don't need to talk buyers. about. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we don't need to go into whether what would have happened if he played. But just the fact that he didn't play, and we did this. If you would have told me that before the game, we'd win forty-eight fourteen without Troy Anderson. I had to say, what kind of alternate reality future are you are you selling me here? <laughs> just unbelievable. You know, Coulter had a good take on Troy Anderson today in the Montana Hour. So I would encourage the listeners to go check out uh, Tutel and Nuanas and to listen to that. He talked about kind of maybe the silver lining of Troy Anderson not playing today. Yeah, I listened to that too, and I, I, I agree. Go check it out. It's a good take. We won't spoil it for you. Go listen. All right, Thorny, are you ready to move on to our special segments? Yeah, let's do it. I. Oh, we could talk about this game for hours, and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, yeah, like, let's move on to something else. But holy cow, just, just I'm still just over the moon on this victory. And I'm so glad that we have a first round bye, so I don't have to like focus on something else for a while. I don't have to start <laughs> pivoting towards thinking about a new opponent because we can just enjoy this for an entire week through the through the Thanksgiving with our families. Just enjoy the biggest Bobcat win in the brawl since 1966 before. A good portion of us were born. All right. Last week, we talked about our bold predictions. Thorny, you said that Fonse would have over 100. Uh, Yeah, 171. <laughs> like, I thought it was relatively bold, but I agreed with you because your point, your counterpoint to me, I went back and listened to it, was that you th- you think that we're just still kind of working him in slowly just because he's still maybe ginger. He won't get that many carries. Uh, what, what, how many carries did he get? He got 21 carries, so he got a pretty heavy workload, and he looks strong and fast and physical, and he just looked like he is the different guy out there that a guy like that is allows you to have a chance at a deep playoff run. Yeah, he's he's back. I mean, all of a he's, sudden, Fonse he is, back. is back. It feels just really good. Holy cow, like he was such a difference maker. Yeah. Uh, just his patience and his vision and his Oh, he is just—he is a different level. I love our running backs table; absolutely love him. But Afonso is—he's the best of the bunch. All right, fully. So I said we would pick off Sneed. We did. 
Money, money. Mr. Brain <laughs> Conkle himself, Mr. Mr. Cat Grizz himself got one. We would have had two if uh, Damian Washington could catch the ball. Yep, we would have had two, but uh, what a good good play by him. And Conkle had a nice game defending passes and good good uh, bold prediction there. You finally got the defensive bold prediction that you've been wanting. <laughs> well, I thought Damian Washington had it. A great game. They got a great game. Yes, he oh, did. Oh man, he was breaking on the ball. Like, yeah, man, he just and some of his tackles were just so good. It was just a fun game for him. Yeah, he so, had yeah. the other play where he was behind the receiver, decided to cut in front and break on the ball, and got like his hands up just enough to deflect it. Like that wasn't the drop that he, but he he had a really good game in coverage, and I was really happy to see it because he's been such an integral part of this program transition and. Just good to see it. It's a rare week then when you and I both have our bull predictions come true. That <laughs> is rare. Just as about as rare as the Bobcats winning the Brawl of the Wild by 34 points. <laughs> All right. Everything is coming together. You ready to move on to some buy or sell? Let's do it. Okay, man. I had a tough time writing these buy or sells, but uh, I'm going to give it a go. There's a couple of them, and uh, I might bounce around a little bit, but... Uh, Thorny, as always, you are on the hot seat. Are you ready? Let's do it. Buy or sell. I am more confident today about the state of MSU athletics than ever before. It's so hard to go back and like remember how I felt about everything in like the early 2000s because we had a pretty good basketball team too. Like that was the Jason Erickson days where we won the Big Sky, like the last time we won the Big Sky Championship and we just come off Cat Grizz win and our first playoff appearance. It's, if it's not, if it's not, then it certainly is now. So I will buy it just because of the recency bias. I feel amazing about all three, the big programs, men's basketball, women's basketball, and football. I'll buy it. Number two, buy or sell. I am happy with MSU's seeding in the playoffs. Okay, so we we hadn't really covered this yet. Um, looking at all the other options, I would say I'm pretty happy overall. I want. I think a lot of us. Even on the board mentioned how we'd like another shot at Sacramento State in the playoffs. We'll, we'll, we'll get it if we want it. So if we take care of business. So overall, I'm pretty happy with it. A, I mean, I thought about this earlier today. Would you rather go back to North Dakota State now knowing what you're getting into, knowing what it's all about and kind of a familiar foe, or would you rather like fly all the way out to the East Coast and play a team almost equally as good in a lot of pundits' eyes as North Dakota State? You know, you almost kind of maybe even favor the rematch there, but they're not desirable situations either way. But I do like our bracket. I think we have a favorable first-round matchup, Albany or Central Connecticut State, and then a trip down to Sacramento State, who is kind of, as you said, not playing their best football right now, assuming they get a tough Furman team. I mean, I'm not sure Sac State will even win their first playoff game they've ever had in program history if it's a tough team like Furman. So. Overall, I'm I'm relatively happy with the bracket. I'll buy it. All righty. Good answer. Question number three. Jeff Choate will win a national championship at MSU. Oh, I'm going to have to... S- I'll buy it. <laughs> I'll have to... S- I'll buy it. Okay, yeah, that's an optimistic buy. <laughs> it is an optimistic buy because I think he'll be for a while and eventually North Dakota State going to have to not be good or move up. <laughs> okay number four watching the game with me 
was a bad experience. I'm going to sell it. It was a good experience, but you, uh, <laughs> yep. I don't know how much you want me to say here, but Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Foley gets really nervous for the game and he'll just disappear. So I'll be sitting there watching the football game and I'll be like, Hey man, what do you think? And I'll look over and you're just gone. <laughs> At one point I look out your, your window and you're carrying tires from your, <laughs> from your garage to your shed, like just doing some work that needed to be done. Like in the middle of like the third quarter action. I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> the worst part is you don't even say anything. You just like, just literally just walk out the door. So, but overall it was fun. Instead of having to text you and getting a sore thumb the entire time, sitting down and watching the game. I is fun. And I think you asked me if it's not fun. So I will sell that. It's not fun. AKA it is fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah, you're, you're like the guy who just can't, can't watch. You just, instead of covering your eyes, you just like, just straight up, just left. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can empathize with it. Yeah, I have the I have some work to do, man. It's it's some issues I'm trying to work through. All right. <laughs> so, all right. I wrote this one down. I'm gonna go with it. I didn't think I was gonna ask it, but I think it's uh it's a telling sign. Okay, by yourself. The Wildcat plus one run game will not be a major feature anymore. I will buy that. I think once Travis Johnson graduates, we're gonna keep Trey Anderson more full time. On defense, or hopefully, if he plays offense, keep more of in a running back role. I think I will buy that. I think we're going to slowly gravitate away from that, but maybe still have some dual threat quarterbacks who can execute the plus one game without it being like a wildcat situation where it's still our normal starting quarterback. So I will buy that it will not be as prominent moving forward. Okay. Uh, I got one more. I know it's a long, but. This one's really good. Buy or sell. Having Troy out was good for the Bobcats. In a weird way, I'll buy it. I mean, the results speak for themselves, and it shows that we can win as a team, and there's really no one person on this team that is so crucial to the team that we can't win without them. And that's part of the what we talked about, about getting guys in and out, getting all so, so many different guys playing time we're not going to have like a bunch of guys with like all American type numbers because they just don't play enough snaps. And that's just not how Jeff Choate builds his team, his team first mentality. So in a, in a way it shows that we, we maybe we had to alter the offense a little bit and it worked out, get more creative, put some new wrinkles in our offense. So overall I would say at this, for this vacuum, like this one game, it obviously it was a good thing to the score. So I think even moving forward, I think overall, that was a good thing. I'll buy it. All right, Thorny, you're off the hot seat. Woo, beer time. <laughs> All right, Foley. Buy or sell, I am more confident today about the state of MSU athletics than ever before. I am buying, buying, buying that. I love where we're at with football. Danny Sprinkle's got the team going on men's basketball. Trisha Binford. Like you said, the big three, man, it's just good. It looks like the volleyball team is just killing it right now. Uh, I mean, a cross-country team. It just seems like Montana State Athletics just has really positive momentum. Uh, to take a quote from Jeff Choate, it's a good time to be a Bobcat. Number two, I am happy with MSU seeding. I actually am. I think the sixth seed was, oh, excuse me, the fifth seed was a perfect seed for MSU in this aligns us with a really reasonable 
first game for us in the second round. And then I think if we get paired with Sack, uh, man, I think it's just blood in the water at that point. And we're just going to – I really like that matchup. So uh, as far as the quarterfinals go, I think that's a really good matchup for the Cats. And I just think we can have a good shot at making to the semifinals this year. Third one, Jeff Choate will win a national championship at MSU. I'm going to buy that. I have no reason to believe he won't. He's done everything he said so far. I got to take him for his word at this point. Uh, number four, watching a game with me is a bad experience. <laughs> I'm going to buy that watching a game with me is a bad experience. I specifically in the categories have a real hard time. I just get too nervous. And like you said, I would disappear. I, I have to take a little bit of a walk sometimes just to kind of clear my head. And I have to go back and rewatch the game after the very end. Uh, when I'm at the venue, let's say if I, we were at Bobcat Stadium, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I would have been different. But watching it on TV for some reason, I've I've struggled with this. I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. But yes, I am, I'm, not, I'm not a good one to watch the game with. Has the podcast helped you at all? Because it's more incur- it's more reason to watch it because we have to talk about the game. Yes, it has. Even my wife well, said good. that this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I have to force myself to watch it. But Catgris is its own animal. It just it's just too too big, and so sometimes I have to have to get out there. Number five, the Wildcat plus one run game will be not a major feature anymore. I'm gonna buy that. And for the sole thing is, I think defenses are getting better at defending it. The Troy Anderson, Travis Johnson, direct snap, run up the middle. It's kind of who we were for most of October and for a major portion of last year. It's like the majority of our tape. I think defenses kind of have figured it out. And I just don't think we're going to feature it as much anymore. Look at what we're doing. We kind of had the same game plan for uh, Northern Colorado as we did uh, the Grizz. We hit uh, that Tyrone Marshall fly sweep. is working really well. We're going to keep going to the well until that doesn't happen. But I think our run game has just evolved so much more that we don't need Travis Johnson taking that direct snap in the back, and we don't need uh, Troy Anderson doing that same play. And if you watch the very beginning of the game, Ryan, you would see when they did take the snap, they were pitching it or giving it up more often. That was netting us some really good yards. So I think Matt Miller is going to go away from that. It just, I don't think it's going to be as trendy as we have seen in the past. Let's see, the last one. Buy or sell. Having Troy out was good for the Bobcats. I'm going to buy that. I think sometimes when we have Troy in the game, we force it. We force Troy. Hey, I think he's honestly just better right now on defense. Offense, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. I go back and forth. This is kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because he's, he's so, like, explosive at times where he's like, man, he'll just dig you out of a hole. He'll get you 30 yards when, when you need 10, and then he just sparks it, and then the game is just in hand because he sparked it. So, yeah, I, I do feel like he needs some touches, but... I don't know. Tucker Rovig looked just more comfortable out there without him. 
Troy Anderson's a really unique and gifted athlete, but holy cow, just look what we did. I don't know. Everybody else stepped up. Maybe they're playing for Troy, but maybe not. Maybe they're just playing for themselves and just realizing that, hey, we're more than Troy. I don't know. That's a that's a unique take. I don't want to say anything negative about Troy Anderson because he's a certainly an all-time great for an MSU. So it's just something to contemplate, if nothing else. No, I mean, really, it just came down to the fact that instead of the team have like, all right, Troy is going to win this for us, I think it kind of made everyone else kind of rise up on their own a little bit. That's a good point. Okay. All right. Well, do you want to move on to some golden koozie questions? You bet I do. We have only a handful. I I thought there'd be more after this win. People just telling us just to just insult Bobby Houck for 20 minutes, but you know, they didn't see a whole bunch of koozie questions. We do have some. Let's start off with Spring Spring Creek Cat on the Bobcat (laughs) Nation asks us, is this the most gratifying win in the modern era of Bobcat football? Absolutely for me. Yes, without doubt. More gratifying than snapping a 16-game streak, losing streak to your rival? Yeah, I think so. Oh, gosh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Eh. This is where the recency bias becomes a little tricky, like, Thinking back to that 2002, Ooh. man, that's that was a that was a big deal. So it's more gratifying to me, just because of what I've experienced in in this in in my lifetime. Like in 2002, I was a sophomore at Montana State. I can't say when I was in high school, I was following Montana State football all that much, and so like I knew about the streak when we got to college, but a, this like the importance of Montana state football, the fandom that has grown in me wasn't quite there. I knew it was important when we beat that streak. And I think had I been a bigger fan, maybe not even that, I just didn't know the importance fully of it, but everything since 2002, almost 20 years now. Yeah. I think yesterday was more important to me. Yeah, it's hard if that question is directed to you personally or should it be taken at a, should all Bobcat fans feel this way? But I'm kind of in the same boat as you. 2002, 2001, my first year at Montana State, I wasn't even really, not even sure I went to any Bobcat games really. I wasn't really interested in the, in the, in the team and I ended up joining the marching band in 2002. And that's where I, I witnessed the streak being ended was as, in the marching band in Washington Grizzly Stadium. And it kind of just, like I like we said before, kind of school spirit just slapped me in the face and I became a fan and just, that was game over for me. I've been like the most diehard Bobcat fan of any sports team at all. Like I don't care near as much for any other sports team at any level of anything at all as I do the, Bob, the Bobcats. So now after being a Bobcat fan for so long, this one's probably more gratifying for me because I've been invested for like the last 17 years, whereas the last 2002 was just kind of a my first experience in it. And I didn't have that, the weight of losing 16 games as a fan on my shoulder. So for me personally, yeah, this would be the most gratifying win. Nice. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump over to Chris Hammond. Good old Chris Hammond, Tubbs at the club, who, by the way, Mad Props went to a Cat Chris satellite party in Seattle, cheering on the Bobcats, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he was definitely not there cheering on the Grizzlies. <laughs> I don't know. I think he was wearing Idaho gear. But uh, kudos, Chris, for going in the lion's den there and uh, 
probably a pretty enjoyable time for you, I imagine. <laughs> he asked, he has two questions, and I, I like both their questions. Let's ask a serious question and pertaining to the Bobcats, and let's ask a, an Idaho question. Can Montana State make a run to the title? Matthew Frazee, who runs the FCS Nations podcast and is an admin for the Facebook group, said he is most concerned about the Bobcats on his side of the bracket, the NDSU side of the bracket, mainly because I listened to his take on the podcast because he, historically teams that have come back to Fargo for a re- playoff rematch like the very next year, it's happened twice. Both those games were like three or like one scored games versus blowouts the first time around. So he's nervous based solely on the return factor. What do you think? Can the Bobcats make a run to the title? Who? Uh, yes, I do think so. And here's why. I think the Bobcats, like I said, are the hottest team, maybe one of the hottest teams in the FCS right now. And that's it. We didn't squeak into the playoffs with a record that was solidified in October. We have momentum right now. And I think just the the whole team is gelling. Tucker Rovig is just stepping up. Confidence is at an all-time high. But it's not cockiness. It's not like, hey, we're good. I feel like that was happening to us in October. And then we got our butts handed to us by SAC. And then we weren't, <laughs> we just played like crappy at North Dakota. But they, I think we know what it takes now. We smell the blood in the water. So, yeah, I do think we can make a run to the title. I mean, it would take a huge, 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 huge epic victory against, you know, against the Bison. If uh, we're assuming the Bison are just going to keep winning. But, uh, yeah, I think the Cats have a shot. I agree with that. Like, I don't see any reason why the Bobcats wouldn't at least have a chance assuming that the Bobcats take care of business in the earlier rounds going to Fargo and playing a lot better than the last time. And with the way the defense is clicking and the offense is able to produce and guys are getting healthy at the right time. I honestly think the Bobcats could make a run. Like it's going to be a very difficult game in Fargo and I put the odds relatively low, but I would not put them in the impossible realm. So I would say, sure. Why not? Why not the Bobcats? Why not the 2019 Bobcats? We're much better positioned than we were last year. That's absolutely true. And it's, we're, we have a whole extra week to get healthy and to kind of come down off our high. So it's probably <laughs> for the best. All right. What about that second question there, Ryan? He's asking if Idaho is looking for a new coach and there has been no announcement yet here. Who on, in his words, the Power Kitten staff? I assume he's talking about us. <laughs> do you think would make sense to hire in Moscow? Who do you think? Who do you think on the Bobcat staff could jump to the head coaching position at the Idaho Vandals? Matt Miller is the only name that comes to my mind, but also Ty Gregorak. So, well, Ty Gregorak's not on the staff. I know, but those are two names that come to my mind. We're a pretty relatively young coaching staff, so there's, there are two coaches on the staff with head coaching experience. That would be Brian Armstrong and BJ Robertson. So I would have to say, with the what Idaho kind of is built for, the kind of way they want to run the game, at least now with Petrino as a head coach. This would be a semi-smooth transition. If you're going to poach anybody, I would say Brian Armstrong, who was the head coach from Rocky Mountain from 2009 to 2015. He's been our run game coordinator, and he was our offensive line coach. So he's been a big part of the success running the ball. He has head coaching experience. 
really the only choice for me would be Brian Armstrong. I'm not saying it's a stellar choice for him to go and jump and be a head coach at a big time big sky program, but that would be the one my I would say if you're an Idaho fan, that'd be the one I would be looking at. That's a fun little question. I like that question. Absolutely. Why don't you read a question? Okay, this one comes from my wife, Livia Foley. I know they're not in the big sky, but since the Cougs and the Cats are the only teams I know much about, I'd like to ask you how you think the MSU versus Washington State matchup would look right now. This is a fun question because you you know more about the Cougars than I do, but I know this is definitely, and I believe this is returned, the ground raid's back, so ground raid versus air raid. What a crazy matchup that would be. Uh, I think the Cougars probably win. But I don't know. I do not know. What do you think? Well, I think the Cougars the Coug- don't look tough to me at all. I they're think not they're physically offense. tough. <laughs> I think their offense is really tough. I think the air raid is really hard to de- to defend. Although, you know, the Cougars always really have trouble against Washington, and Washington is Jeff Choate's model, <laughs> and so maybe maybe the Bobcats could have some uh, success against the Cougars. Now, the Cougs right now, they're really having trouble on defense. They don't have a defense um, like they have in the past. That's that that our defense against their offense would be the biggest question in my mind. Could we contain the air raid? Whew, that's a tough one. I mean, that is really a tough one. And could we score enough points on against their defense? Um, I'm I'm going to take the Cougs in in a matchup right now. I'll take the Cougs and Pullman, but I might take the Bobcats and Bozeman right now in November. There you go. That's always the hard thing with these matchups is they're always assumed to be on a FBS field. I think I think the record would be a lot different if these games were played a lot more FCS venues. So I don't know. I would probably take the Cougars just based on pure offensive talent and scheme and operation, but I don't think it'd be a blowout. All right. We got one more from Nate Knutson. Couple questions. If you were the coach, how much would you practice this week? And do you scout both teams 50 50 or lean towards the team you think might win? I don't know how they normally do things. I'd probably keep it pretty normal up until Wednesday and just give the guys, you know, I think that's what Chote is doing is giving the guys Thanksgiving off and being back up on Saturday. Um, he has his staff. I mean, this is kind of answering the press conference a little bit. Has his staff, like half his staff is scouting. Uh, Albany, half the other, the other half of the staff is scouting Central Connecticut State, kind of at a just kind of a higher level. And on Saturday, they put it all together and start taking a look at it together. And then that way, when the game's over, and it's it's kind of interesting, a little um, advantage, I guess. It's an East Coast game, so that game's going to be over pretty early on Saturday. So the coaching staff's going to have Saturday to start preparing for that because the game will be over pretty early for us. So um, that's kind of his plan, and that's. Honestly, I think it's probably the best plan to have the guys do a light load this week, have some time off, enjoy their families, get back, focus on football, and then start prepping once you actually know who your opponent is. So I think Joe's pretty much doing it right. I totally agree. And you got to focus in on academics right now. So, you, yeah, I don't practice much this week. I keep them healthy, give them a little bit of reprieve just from the motion that was Cat Grizz. I mean, they got to come down. They got to, you know, levelize, you know, just kind of finish, finish strong academically. 
All right. Well, thanks for all the questions, everybody. Ryan, who do you like? I think the one at the time we forget to just talk about who we think of the best question is before. So right now we're like literally going to have a debate on who we like best. I'm going to go with spring Creek cat. Is this the most gratifying win in modern era of Bobcat football? All right. That good. That's easy. Cause that's who I was going to pick too. I like the question. It made me think about it. And I, I like just the, the keyword gratifying is any other word he could have picked. That's a good word. Um, yeah. Congratulations. Spring Creek cat. Nice job, Spring Creek. That's hard to say, Spring Creek. It is. It's not fun. It just doesn't, <laughs> it's not good alliteration. It's, I have a hard time with it. <laughs> Sorry, SCC. <laughs> All right, Spring Cody. Cat. Let's wrap this thing up. All right. Well, this was, I don't know how long we went. We went a lot longer than I thought we would, but this is just a recap of the Grizz game and kind of just an overall discussion. Next week, we'll be back uh, recording on Monday, maybe Tuesday or releasing Tuesday or Wednesday next week sometime with a preview of whatever opponent we end up getting. So we don't know yet. Maybe we'll try and get um, a media type guy on to talk about the team. So have another interview like we have had earlier in the year, but that's kind of the plan moving forward, but just uh just an awesome win. I just want to just take one step here, step back to talk about how exciting that was, just how much it meant for the program, how much it meant for everybody. I'm just excited, and I know everyone listening is as well. We'll probably take it easy this week in a lot of ways to kind of take a break with the vacation as well on our side. So you can hit us up on Twitter regardless. Might not be too much content this week, but Twitter, RRCatCast. You can hit us up on RRCatCast at gmail.com, and you can always find us on the Bobcat Nation. That's about all I have for this one. Congratulations to all the Bobcat seniors and players for the dominant win in Bozeman. Foley, can I get a big emphatic go cats from you? Go cats. Go cats.